Amen. If you're a believer, can you give God praise today? Can you give him a shout of praise? Thank you, Jesus. So good to be in God's house. Amen. Well, how's everybody doing? Everybody good? Everybody good? Fantastic. It's great to see you. So Brother Cameron just came up to me, and I, um, I wanted to make sure I heard him correctly, but he said someone walked up to him and said that they wanted to pay for all of our, what is it called? Youth retreat. They wanted to pay for every kid to go to youth retreat. So isn't that fantastic? That is amazing. That's literally thousands of dollars. You say, who is it? I don't know who it is, but I'm glad. Because they must be obeying biblical principles. Because that's what God wants to do is to bless his people so that they can be a blessing. Amen. Y'all, I've got some humor for you, and I'm going to apologize before I even tell you because it is awful. Like, it's awful. Like, it is so bad. I'm going to apologize. I can't believe I'm doing this. People who eat snails must not like fast food. That's bad. Here's another one. It gets goes downhill from here this is awful I wrote a song about a tortilla actually it's a rap I'm sorry I'm so sorry please forgive me but at least it made you smile there's some people that are here today they asked me not to call their names, but they're sitting over here in this section and they're really making my heart smile to get to see them this morning. All of you, thank you for being in God's house. I want to take my thoughts from the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. And I want to talk to you this morning on this subject, the reason God made you. The reason that God made you. I see so many people here. I hope I get an opportunity to shake your hand after service. Thank you for being here. I'm going to just talk to you from my heart this morning on the reason that God made you. Father, we're here. We've gotten ourselves dressed, our family dressed, and we're here. And so now help us to be here, not just in body, but in spirit so that we can, Lord, receive, be edified, equipped, and encouraged through the Word of the Lord. God, for the next few minutes, would you just help me to speak it the way I feel it? And Lord, let your Word not just be words, but let them be anointed words that go down into, Lord, our hearts, the seed, Lord, in the soil, so that it can bear forth good fruit in due season. And for that, we give you thanks and praise. And everybody say amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The Bible tells us that God is love. God doesn't just have love. God doesn't just show love. God is love. Love is God's nature. Love is the very essence. It is the very characteristic of who God is. In fact, there would be no love in the universe if it were not for God. The only reason that we are able to receive love is because of God. I want you to think about this. Ants do not love. Snails do not love. Crows do not love, but human beings love because we are made and created in the image of God. God has never made anything that he doesn't love. You may not like your neighbor, but God loves them. 
You may not like the person with a different color skin, but God loves them. I want you to get this this morning. The reason why God made you is to love you. I want you to look at Ephesians 1 and verse 4, New Living Translation. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. In other words, to be holy means to be set apart and without fault in His eyes. Here's the, here's the weight of that Scripture. Before God ever created the universe, He already has chosen us and He already loved us. In other words, brothers and sisters, if God didn't want to love you, He would not have even created the universe. The reason that the universe was even created is because God wanted a family. There would be no universe if it were not for you. The reason that you are alive today is because God wants to love you. I want that to sink in for a minute. The reason that God created the world is so that He could have a family, so that He could love you. Look at Ephesians 1 and verse 4 again. It says this, without fault in His eyes. This is going to be a really hard message for you to believe. But God looks at you without fault. You know why it's so hard for us to love some people that are close to us? Because all we can see is their faults. Once they get close to us, then we can see them. The reason why you can love some people from a distance is because you don't know them. The reason why some of you think I'm an okay guy is because you, you may not know me. <laughs> I hope that's not true. But here's what happens when you get married. I know because I've been married for 31 years. You stop seeing their good points and all you can see is their faults. Oh, I see. I need to camp out here. Because what happens is, here's the reason why we have divorces. It's not because we see the good in our spouse, it's because we start seeing all the faults and flaws in our spouse. Come on, somebody. If God focused on our flaws, none of us would be saved. In fact, there'd be no one in the universe that would be saved. Because what we tend to do is once we get close to people, we no longer see their good points. We just focus on their faults. And we know they've got some good characteristics, but we can't see the good in God's chosen because their faults are all that we focus on. Here's what I want to tell us. I want to remind us this morning that God loves us, that God chose us, that he set you apart. I'm going to keep saying this. You did not find God. God found you. He didn't find you while you were doing good. Can I preach this morning? Quit saying I need to get rid of this and I need to quit doing that and then I'll come to God. No, you don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. The reason why you need God this morning is because God can help you to overcome that addiction. The reason why you and I need God this morning is because God can get into your marriage and help you to close one eye to their faults and love them for who they are. I want you to get this this morning. I hope they put it on the screen. Here it is. The first purpose of your life is to be loved by God. The first purpose of your life is not even to serve God. The first purpose of your life is not even to trust God. The first purpose of your life is not even to obey God. 
I told you it's going to be hard. Check this out. It's going to blow your mind. The first pur- purpose of your life is not even to love God. The first purpose of your life is to let God love you. I'm going to try to bring this to an application. If you thought this through before you had a baby, then you realize for the next 25 years of your life, all you were going to be doing is giving. You're going to be giving formula, diapers. You're going to be giving clothes. You're going to be giving, giving, giving. For the first 25 years of their life, that's all you're going to be doing. Did, did you know you, you didn't have a child? I hope you didn't have a child for them to be your slave. Because if you did, that's the wrong intent. See, see, this is what I want you to get. You understand this in the natural, that when you have a child, you don't have a child. So you think, oh man, when they're 11, they're going to mow my grass. <laughs> now that child may mow your grass at 11 because you're teaching them responsibility. But I hope that's not your first thought. Your first thought is, is you want to love that child. And in return, that child is going to love you, but they're not going to give anything back to you. See, see, I know how you are because I was raised how you were raised. I didn't hear about the love of God growing up. I heard either turn or burn. I heard that God, if you don't do it my way and you don't do it God's way, God's going to get you. And I understand all that. I'm not, I, I am, I am not in any way uh, dogging my heritage. I appreciate the way I was raised. But what I want to do for this church is I want us to begin to change our mentality that we serve God based out of fear to that we serve God based out of worship and love for who He is. See, God didn't create you. I want you to see this. God didn't create you to do something. He created you to receive something. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to just take my time. God did not create you to do something. He created you to receive something. He wants you to receive His love. He wants you to receive repentance. He wants you to receive His name. He wants you to receive His Holy Spirit so it gives you power over sin, self, sickness, and Satan. God created you so that you could receive. You were made to be a receptacle. You were made to be a receiver and a benefactor of God's love. I want this to sink in. Your first duty in life is not to do something. It's not to learn. It's not to listen. It's not to pray. It's not to give. It's not to sacrifice. It's not even to serve. All of those are good things. All of those are very necessary things. They're not the thing that God created you to do first. He created you because He wants to love you. Before I ever saw Trey be born, I was already telling him in his mama's womb, Daddy loves you. Do you understand before God ever created this universe, He already saw you? He already loved you. What I'm saying to you right now is that the number one calling in your life is not to a role. It is not to a responsibility. It is not to regulations. It's not to rules. It is not to a ritual. The number one responsibility and the number one thing God called you to is to a relationship. What kind of relationship does God want with me? Does God want me to be a slave? No. Does God want me to be a servant? No. Does God want me to be a soldier? 
No. Does God want you to be his warrior? No. Does God want you to be his worker? No. Does God want you to be his employee? No. Does God want you to be his minion? No. Look at Romans 1 and 7. Dear friends in Rome, this is Paul speaking. God loves you dearly and he has called you to be his very own people. So what does God want? The relationship that God created you for is to be his son and to be his daughter. Here's one of the most amazing truths that I think that I can speak to you this morning is that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the creator of this universe doesn't want you to be his slave, his servant, or his soldier. He wants you to be his son and his daughter. I want you to look at 1 John 3 and 1. This is the Amplified Version. What an incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us that we should be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. Your number one purpose in life is not to accomplish something. Your number one purpose in life is not to make something of yourself. Your number one purpose in life is not to make a lot of money. It's not to be famous and to have a lot of fun. Your number one purpose in life is to be loved by God and to experience that love. Most people in this room have really never experienced the love of God. You've heard about it. I think most of you would say, yeah, I think, I believe that God loves me. But the very fact that you're bored by that means you don't get it. Man, I wish I had time to preach. I'm going to say it again. The very reason that you are bored by that means you don't get it. Because if you got it, you would be so excited about it. When this really, ladies and gentlemen, when this gets from your head to your heart. See, a lot of people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. What do you mean by that? Because that's about the length from your head to your heart. I'm going to say it again. Most people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. Why? Because they have a head knowledge, but it's never went from their head to their heart. See, the reason why you're bored by what I'm saying this morning is because you've never experienced the love of God. What you have experienced is fear. It's what can you do for God? What can, what can you do? What can you give? How can you serve? And I am not saying those are not important, but what I am saying is, is that most of Christendom is missing because they do not have or nor have they experienced the love of God that brings joy to their life. They do not really believe that God loves them unconditionally. So I'm not going to get hyped up because I know this is fairly new for you to hear, but you need to ask God to help you to learn to experience God's love in your life. Why, ladies and gentlemen, are we counted as children of God? Why in the world would God do that in order to express His love? He wants you to be so full of the love of God that it is shown on your face. Because now you are the hands and you are the feet of Jesus. And the way that Jesus has the opportunity to express love to this world is through his people. Being so full of the love of God that it is joy. And that joy is our strength. Because I know when I wake up in the morning, he loves me. When I mess up in the afternoon, he still loves me. When I didn't do it right and I knew better, he still 
still loves me. Can I talk to you? Are you open this morning? The truth is God loves you on your good days and he loves you on your bad days. The truth is God loves you when you feel like it. The truth is God loves you when you don't feel like it. Can I get a witness? The truth is God loves you when you think you deserve his love and when you don't think you deserve his love. Please, if you have not awakened, please wake up. I want you to get this. You cannot stop God from loving you. God will never love you any more than this very second. And he will never love you any less than he does right now. Why, Pastor? Because God's love is not based on who you are. It's not based on what you do. It is based on who he is. For God so loved the world that he gave. Romans tells us that while we were yet sinners, before I ever prayed my first prayer, before I ever gave my first tithing check, before I ever taught my first Bible study, before I ever came to my first service, God already saw me. He already loved me. He already had a plan for my life. Before I've ever done anything for him, he already loved me. I'm going to just keep coming like water on a rock. I'm going to say it again because I want you to get it. Your number one calling in life is not to do something. Your number one calling in life is to receive something. To let God love you. I want you to look at Ephesians 3 and 17. I pray that God, I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts. So that you may trust him. Get this. May your roots go down deep into the soil of what? God's marvelous love. Why does God want your roots to go down deep so that you can produce fruit? What kind of fruit does he want you to produce? The fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, what we're going to talk about. But you can't produce those fruits if your roots don't go down deep. What do they need to go down deep into? The marvelous love of God. So that when you wake up in the morning and your hair's messed up and you got dragon breath and nobody is singing to you and you don't feel like a Christian, you still wake up and say, God loves me me. Isn't that amazing? He loves me dragging breath, messed up hair, not feeling good. He still loves me. Look at verse 18. And may you have the power to understand as all of God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love really is. And check this out. That you may experience, say that word. Experience Experience the love of God. You know what God is saying to you in this verse? God is saying, I want you to feel love. I don't, I want you to go beyond just knowing your love. I want you to experience. I want you to feel it in every fiber of your being. Look at verse 19 again. May you experience, that means emotionally. Why? The love of God. Why? So that through it so great you will never fully understand it. Here's why. That you may be made complete. That you may be made complete with all the fullness of life and power. That comes from God. You know why some of you don't feel the fullness and the completeness? Because you're serving God for fire insurance. And that's just the wrong motive. God doesn't want that motive. He wants you to wake up in Monday morning tomorrow and hit the floor saying, God loves me. Can you believe that? Little old me. He loves me. I could do a Michael... Jackson dance right now. 
I wished I could because I'd do it. <laughs> see, see try, for us to try to understand this is like an ant trying to understand the internet. Our brain don't have the capacity to understand God's love. See, the Bible says that part of our calling is to understand how wide, how long, how deep, and how high is God's love for you. Y'all got a few more minutes for me? Okay, how wide is God's love? It's wide enough to be everywhere. I'm going to talk to you. God's love is so wide that literally right now, it's at the ends of the universe. I know some of you are going to have a hard time to believe this, but God's love is so wide that it is where people are getting drunk right now. God's love is there. It's going to be hard for you to believe. But wherever the red light district is at and people are selling their bodies, God's love is there. If you go to the barrio, God is there. If you go to the ghetto, God is there. If you go to the ends of the earth, God is there. Why? Because God's love is so wide that there's not a place that God's love is not at. You say, well, pastor, I, I, don't, I, I don't see it there. Well, there's a lot of things that are real you don't see. All of life comes from atoms and you've never seen an atom. Do you understand that there are literally radio waves and TV waves running right through this area right now and you don't see it? There's a lot you don't see that is real. God's love, ladies and gentlemen, is real. Even though you can't understand it, even though you can't see it, His love is real. Well, how long is God's love? It's long enough to last forever. Human love wears out. You know why? Because we focus on one another's faults. So we get divorced. We have breakups. That's why we got conflicts. But God's love never wears out. Why? Because God's not focused on your faults this morning. God will never, never stop loving you. Say, Pastor, I have a hard time believing that. I want you to get this statement. Even if you choose to reject God and you go to hell, God will still love you. David said, even if I made my bed in hell, God is there. Why? Because God's love is eternal. He made you, brothers and sisters, to love you. How deep is God's love? It's deep enough to handle anything in your life. You look at me right now and you say, Pastor, you don't know where I'm at. And I don't. But here's what I want to tell you. No matter how deep in the pit you may be, no matter how much in despair you may be, the good news is you can't go so deep that God's loving arm is not underneath that. God's love is deeper than the pit you may find yourself in today. God's love is deeper than any problem that you or I are ever going to have to face. How high is God's love? It's high enough to overlook all of our sin. All of our faults. All of our failures and all of our rebellion. How is that, Pastor? Because He offers forgiveness through the cross. And He offers us an opportunity to start over again. Brothers and sisters, one message is not going to convince you because there's no way I can convince you of how much that God loves you. There has never been a moment in your existence that God didn't love you. Your first cry, God heard it. It's conception. God, God was there. When you were born, when God, when you were in your mother's womb, God saw you. Through all of your pain, through all of your suffering, through your misery, all of it, God was there. Why? He wanted you so that He could love you. And whether you realize it or not, He was gazing on you in love because He made you to love you. So here's the question, and I'm going to wrap this up. How would your life change if you got up in the morning and the first thing you felt was, I'm deeply loved by God? I hope next week, if the Lord gives me an opportunity, I'm going to give you numerous ways 
that when you get, when you get a revelation of the love of God, it's going to change your life. I hope I get the opportunity to do that. But here's the question that I want to ask you. How would your life change if you got up in the morning and when you put your feet on the floor, you said, man, thank God that he loves me. And then when you went and got your shower, you was like, I can't believe how much God loves me. And then when you got dressed and got in your car and started going down to work, you just said, God, I thank you that you love me. Then when you came home and decided you wanted to watch something on YouTube or you wanted to go out and work in your yard, you just reminded yourself, God, I can't believe you love me as much as you love me. How would that change your life? I'm hoping to give you some ways next week because I want to do part two, but I'm going to give you just a little taste. Here's one way to change your life. If you really get the love of God, you would start feeling accepted rather than ashamed. Give me just five more minutes. Most people go through their entire life avoiding God. You know why? Because they feel condemnation. They feel guilty and ashamed. And they feel judged. And they feel like this. Why would a perfect God, why would a perfect God simply want to deal with me? After everything I've done, why would God even want to love me? Ladies and gentlemen, that's not how God works. I want to show you John 3 and 17. Jesus says this, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came to save it. God accepts us completely, totally, and unconditionally. Let me tell you why that's important. Because it sets you free from the addiction of needing other people's approval. Once I really, uh, I'm going to go back to a message I preached a while back. And that, that once I got this revelation, and I am getting the revelation. Once I realized that before Jesus had ever done his first miracle, raised Lazarus from the dead, fed the 5,000. Before he had ever done anything, God spoke to him. And said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Why didn't he do that on the cross? Because once he went to the cross, many people knew who he was. He had already done the miracles. He hadn't done one thing except work in his carpenter shop. And the voice of God spoke to him and said, you're my son. I love you. Why? Because he was about to go into the wilderness and the enemy was going to tempt him to say, if you're really something, if you're all that in a bag of chips, turn these stones into bread, you'll really be popular then. Y'all stay with me. Oh, I tell you how, how you can get everybody's attention. Just cast yourself down from the temple. You'll have instant attention. God said, I'll pass on that. He said, I'll tell you something. You don't have nothing, Jesus. You have nothing, but I'll give you the kingdoms of the world if you'll fall down and worship me. And God says, no. It is written, you shall love the Lord thy God and worship him alone. What was he trying to do? He was trying to say you're valuable if you have performance, if you have power, and if you have possessions, you're valuable. And God was saying, I know what's coming down the road, Jesus, and that's not what makes you valuable. What makes you valuable is to understand that you are unconditionally loved by me and you don't have to go around trying to make everybody happy with you and get everybody's approval because if I please him, it doesn't matter who I displease. Now, I'm not trying to go around and displease people and be arrogant and have my nose up in the air. That's not the love of God. But what it means is, is when you criticize somebody, when they know who they are, it helps just that criticism kind of washes off of you. Because guess what? I don't have to have your approval. I want you to like me, but I don't have to have your approval to make God happy. When you get a revelation of who you are in Christ. I'm going to tell you something. It's going to put a spring in your step. It's going to put a song in your heart. You're going to know God, even though I'm not perfect, even though I've messed up, I haven't done it just right. God doesn't stop loving you. Amen. Amen. 
Would you stand to your feet this morning? Now, I know it's going to take a minute for this to all sink in. Because we have taught you to give, to serve, to do, to be, to this, to that. And listen, none of that's wrong. None of that is wrong. But your motive should be. When I serve, when I give, it's just an expression of my love back to him. Young people, I want you to hear pastor just a minute. I wished, and again, I'm not, I I am not dogging where I came from, but I wish, I wish my pastor would have preached this to me. Because now that I'm getting this revelation at 55, I'm going to tell you something. There are mornings I get in my chair and all I can do is cry to think about, my God, I can't even fathom the love that you have for me. And you know what that does? Here's why that's important to you. Because the more you let God love you, the less you want to sin. I wish my sweetheart was here right now. Molly, where are you at? Come up here, baby. I wish I, wish I could tell you what I'm fixing to tell you is not true, but it is true. I've been tempted. I've had thoughts run across my mind. But you know why I didn't act on it? Because I didn't want to hurt this baby. And I didn't want to hurt my wife. I didn't want to hurt Trey. And now I find myself I'm so ashamed to tell you this, but I'm finding myself after 55 years of of growing up in church, finally transitioning from fear-based religion to saying, God, I just want to love you so much that I never want to hurt you. (laughs) Because I know in the end, It's not going to satisfy me anyway. It's all empty. And the only thing that can truly fill me is the love of God. Thank you, baby. If the Lord helps me next week, I'm going to talk about the the five ways that when you get this revelation, how it's going to change your life. Jared, I want you to come up, please. I want y'all to come up. Can I ask y'all to do something? If you don't have to go, I don't want you to go. And I want Brother Jared to sing this song that I've asked him to sing. And I want you to just, you can stay where you are. You can come to the front. But here's what I want you to pray. God, would you give me a revelation? Would you open up my understanding of how much you love me? You know what hurts my heart? I'm going to tell you what hurts my heart. Is when I go to other places. I've told you this before. Stay with me. I go to other places. And I walk into some other denominations and I see smiles and joy and singing. And literally, brothers and sisters, I have stood for 45 minutes and watched seven, eight, ten thousand people with their hands raised doing this. And I come into our denomination and I'm saying, God, what's wrong with us? 
And here's what the Lord is telling me because my people have never gotten a revelation of how much I love them. They've been taught fear. God's out to get you. He's mad at you. You never know when He loves you and when He don't. It's just uh, hope so. We good today, God? Mm -mm. Nope. The reason why you were made, created, is for God to love you. If you're a believer in this house, would you just slip your hand up and ask God to give us a revelation? Come 
you receive the word of the Lord today? Thank you for the great privilege that I have to present to you the word of the Lord. Now I want to challenge you. How many of you will go on a 30-day challenge with me? And you'll do your best when you wake up in the morning just to say, I am loved by God. Would you do that? You say, Pastor, what if I forget a day? Nobody's going to give you a demerit. You're not going to be lost. I just want to see one more time a show of hands. How many will take this challenge with me for the next 30 days? You're going to do your best to say, I am loved unconditionally by God. You know what some of you ought to do? Some of you ought to wake up in the morning and just start singing. You say, Pastor, I don't have a good voice. I don't either. But has your child ever sang for you and it wasn't great, but you're like, baby, that's awesome. Huh? Come on, parents. You're like, that's awesome. Well, it really wasn't, but that's your kid. You know, that's what God says to you, baby, that's awesome. (laughs) Why? Because he's not looking at your faults. He's not seeing that you didn't hit that note. He's just so thankful that you're singing to him. He loves it. He just loves it. got a lot of love in my heart for this section right over here (laughs) thank you thank you for being here I'm so sorry Clyde said pastor please don't say anything you gotta you gotta forgive me to make heaven Clyde and Vicky, this is their home. We love them. It's great to see you. Keith, you and your sweet wife, if y'all keep coming, I'm going to give y'all a card and say, hey, you're not a guest anymore. You're part of us. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you. I know I can't sing, but I, I know I can't, but I'm going to sing this song anyway. And I want you to sing it as you walk out of here. Y'all ready? It's an old chorus. We know it. Before you go, sing it at least one time. Here we go. I love you. I love you. I love you. Would you sing it with me? I love you. I love you. I love you.
parents, don't forget. Parents, Alliance, parents and students, don't forget you're meeting upstairs. Thank you before you leave.